Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware and Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic from the business owner's or executive's perspective. We aren't necessarily telling you what to do, but we can put you in a position to make an informed decision on your own and understand when you might need help along the way. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alfreda, Georgia. Brady Ware is sponsoring this podcast, which is being recorded in Atlanta for social distancing protocols. If you would like to engage with me on social media with my chart of the day and other content, I'm on LinkedIn and also at Unblakeable on Facebook, Twitter, Clubhouse, and Instagram. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast aggregator, and please consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. Today's topic is, should I retire? And um, uh, our guest in, in, that I'm going to bring on in just a minute is a, a, a dear friend and professional colleague and mentor of mine who has uh, reached the stage of his life where um, he is going to retire from our firm at a, 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 I don't know if the date's been formally announced, so I'm not going to mention it right now, but, but, but soon. I mean, it's, it's, a known, it's a known quantity. By the time this thing gets pu- but gets published, I'm sure it's going to be be more known. So, um, but you know, it occurs to me that retirement is one of the most consequential decisions that all of us we hope will make in our lives. Um, it's consequential from a business perspective. It's of course consequential from a personal perspective, and a decision to retire. Is, is so weighty and is so complex and is intertwined with the hard material discussions and considerations as well as the, um, as the emotional and profound personal considerations. And, you know, we've been, we've been thinking about retirement as a society for a while. I remember 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that we thought for sure there was going to be this wave of businesses that was going to be up for, up for sale and this wave of executives that were going to have to retire. And, and interestingly, they, they largely didn't. Um, I mean, some did of course. Um, but, but, you know, first of all, with the, the, the profound financial implications of the financial correction of 2008 and 2009, uh, simply for many people, moved the goalpost for for retirement back from a financial per- perspective, and did so in a significant way. But also, sort of a funny thing happened is that the human lifespan and the human useful lifespan has increased significantly since World War II. And I'm not going to get into a big discussion as to why that is. There are lots of theories, but but you just can't deny the fact that more people are living into their 90s and their, their hundreds. You know, renowned uh, children's author Beverly Cleary just passed away at 104. I didn't even know she was still alive. But when I was uh, in my my single digits in, in the 70s, I was reading her books right, right along with everybody else. Um, and, and, and that's just an example. But not only are people living longer, they're living longer in 
a state of greater health and in a state of greater vibrancy. And in particular, if we ever really get a handle on Alzheimer's, watch out because, um, you know, I don't know that 65 is going to be the bogey for retirement. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily economically sustainable. And again, that's a different podcast or maybe the chart of the day. But coming back to where we are, you know, regardless of the social implications and the economic implications, at the end of the day, um, you know, our, our podcast is about making critical decisions and usually ones that are hard to reverse. And when you really get down to it, it's hard to think of many personal decisions that are much more impactful, that have much greater and far-reaching implications than should I retire. So that's why I want to want to cover this today. And uh, I hope many of you will find this, um, find this of interest and helpful. And joining us today is uh, my longtime friend and, and mentor, uh, Brian Filoni, who is uh, director of marketing for my firm, Brady Wearing Company. We actually met when we were working with another accounting firm. I went back and checked. It was actually about 12 years ago. And uh, I, I suspect that I, I suspect that we grew a friendship quickly because I was an accountant that actually was interested in marketing. But ha, the joke's on you. I'm not really an accountant. I just have to work for an accounting firm. So the record is unblemished. Um, um, but, but, you know, he and I have maintained a, a, a long relationship, a great relationship now across two firms. He actually rec- recruited me into Brady Ware. And I hope that's not one of the reasons he's being put into <laughs> retirement. It might be. We'll get into that. Um, and as I said, he's retiring soon. So I thought what a cool idea, um, uh, to get into the head of somebody who's actually in retirement, not thinking about retirement, not did it a year ago, but is actually sort of, sort of in process, kind of like watching an eclipse as it's happening. Um, Brian has more than 30 years of experience helping accounting firms grow their practices. He led the marketing functions for two of the top 50 CPA firms in the U.S. and has consulted with firms across North America on improving their marketing programs. Brian will lead the firm's overall, or Brian leads the firm's overall marketing efforts with a focus on growth. At least he will until he retires. Brian is a member of the Association for Accounting Marketing, where he has served on several committees as well as the board of directors. He is also a member of the Association's Hall of Fame, which I did not know. And again, this is one of these things, um, just like last week, you get into somebody's bio, you, you find cool <laughs> things about them you didn't know it's, in spite of how long you knew them. And 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 I think it's worth saying that also um, uh, Brian has, has been one of the thought leaders that helped put this podcast together. It was he that helped, in a lot of ways, help make this possible and rallied the support of the firm behind it. And it's a fair statement to say this podcast would not be here, I think, without Brian's help. And to them, I'm very, to him, I'm very grateful for that. And I hope uh, our listeners will acknowledge that. Brian, thank you so much for coming on the program. Well, thanks, Mike. Uh, that was a, that was a great introduction. I'm not sure that, uh, that uh, I'll live up to all of it, but uh, I'm ready well, to, you are to retiring. talk about it. You are retiring, right? I mean, we, <laughs> <laughs> you, you are qualified to talk about that because you are, in fact, retiring. That's you haven't true. reversed that decision, right? That is true. So, you know, talk about, talk about your career as you kind of look back and you're talking to somebody about what you have done over the course of your, of your business life. How would you summarize it? Well, actually I had, uh, I had two careers. 
right out of college, I started working for the office furniture industry. Uh, my dad was actually working in that industry, and and he kind of got me a got me an entree into it. And I worked for firms like uh, Herman Miller and Hayworth for about seventeen years, uh, and then. In about in I think 1989, um, Herman Miller, being a public corporation, had a big cutback, and suddenly there I was without a job and uh, had a family and a house and all of that. So I started um, started searching around, landed a job, and had to move from uh, West Michigan down to South Bend, Indiana. Sold the house, moved the family. Six months into the new job, uh, decided I would have been better off staying unemployed. So then I started working again, and. Uh, there was a, a firm called Crow Chiswick down in South Bend, Indiana, and uh, had an opportunity to go in and talk to them about their marketing director position. They took a chance on me, and I had no idea about uh, working in accounting, but I took a chance on them. Found out that I absolutely loved working with accountants, working in a, a less hierarchical structure and working in an area where I could make a meaningful impact on the growth of a firm. Worked for them for a, uh, a few years, uh, took another job, which moved me to Atlanta. Uh, consulting, I, I worked for an association of accounting firms and consulted with them for a number of years and, and uh, then had a great opportunity to go back into a firm. And uh, so I've been in firms, I've been consulting with firms, I've been with um, a, a company that's uh, no longer in existence, Peachtree Software, they were bought up. Uh, but for the last 30 years, I've been working with accounting firms and have just absolutely loved what I do, uh, helping helping these firms grow and helping individual accountants um, find new clients and, and develop relationships with those clients. So you've, you've done all that. You've enjoyed and produced, you know, the success that you have. What What goes into the decision to decide you're going to retire? I think there are a couple of things. Um, and for I'm going to speak for me here. Um, but I, I started over the last couple of years, um, I started to realize that there were parts of the job that I really, really liked, but then there were other parts of it that it just wasn't my main interest. And my interests were changing a bit. Uh, and And so when you start to get that feeling that, gosh, it's it's just not exactly what you wanted to do, and, and um, that started me thinking about it. And and then the other thing that went into that decision is, um, you know, I'm I'm a relatively older person. Uh, I did not grow up with the internet. I did not grow up with with a lot of the technology that we have today. And I started to think, you know, it. Uh, the way marketing is going within CPA firms, it it may require a, a, a different skill set than what I bring to the table. And maybe it's time for the firm to start looking for somebody that has that skill set that can take them to the next level, can take them over the next few years and, and really embrace the technology that is is taking over our world. You know, that's interesting. I think there's a very visible, um, there's a very visible analogy to that. And that is in sports coaching. And as you know, I I know you follow sports at least a little bit, and I'm sure you're, you're cognizant of the fact that many sports, particularly baseball, but it has spread to others have gone deep into data analytics in terms of how they build teams on field 
decision making and so forth. Yep. And and what we saw about starting 10 years ago in baseball and maybe five to seven years ago in the other sports were the old school coaches retiring, not because they had lost the ability to coach a football game and select players and train players per se, but they started to recognize that in order to to be successful or to get that next job, they were going to have to embrace analytics. Mm-hmm. Which means going back to school for computers, which means going having to go back to school for some form of data science, right? Mm-hmm. Which you know just is not the kind of thing that say you know Don Shula was gonna you know was gonna do, right? It's not it's not what Joe Torre was ever going to do, right? And and so mm-hmm. you know rather than than retool, it didn't it didn't mean that they'd all of a sudden become bad coaches. But it, it simply was a, a scenario in which their industry evolved in a direction where you have to make a decision. A, do I want to do it? And B, is it worth doing given the fact that you know, I may not necessarily have that many working lives left, right? Does it, does it even make sense to do that from an ROI perspective? Yeah, and, and I think it's, it's not only the internal looking that you just described, but I think if, if an executive is is really dedicated to the, the firm that they work for, um, I think they also have to, in their mind, ask that question, is, is the skill set that I have what is needed to, to take my firm to where it needs to go? Yeah, and, but, and, but I guess also the other, the other consideration too, I mean, you could have, you could have simply left Bradyware mm-hmm. and moved to another accounting firm. Yep. Right. So it's not just about the need for that firm, I imagine, but but it's also sort of the need to the market generally. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and that doesn't mean that what you bring to the table is is obsolete. Sort of the the I'll just call it sort of old school, if you will, or OG marketing is still very valuable. And it's, it's going to come back with a vengeance once they all get vaccinated and start you know meeting each other one again. You know again. Um, but it's 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 going to be one tool as opposed to the tool. Yes. Agreed. Um, totally. And a, and a tool that's more relied upon, I think, by certain demographics, um, one versus the other. Again, as you mentioned, just based on how people grow up and what their comfort level is with with different kinds of marketing platforms. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, so I'm going to out you, quasi out you a little bit. I know that you're not 65. I know that you're older than 65. I'll let you disclose your age if you choose to. <laughs> Uh, but I know you didn't retire exactly at 65, which is our our firm's ostensible mandatory retirement age. And when many, that's sort of a that's sort of a, a frequent finish line for many people's careers. I'm I'm not sure how long term sustainable that is given the economics, but um, for now that you know it is what it is. Why didn't you just retire at 65, kind of like everybody else? What 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 kept you wanting to continue? Well, I was working at the time. I was working for a company called Thomson Reuters, um, and I had I had started out working um, for a company called Biz Actions, which was then bought by Thomson Reuters. And I had the opportunity to help um, CPA firms use a tool, an electronic newsletter tool, to help develop their their uh, business. And uh, when Thomson Reuters bought it, um, my job changed significantly and uh, became a little bit less fun, but I wasn't ready to hang it up yet. Uh, and so 
I, one day I was, I was talking with one of my uh, customers, um, Brady Warren company. I was talking to my contact at Brady Warren and, and I'd seen on LinkedIn that they had, they were looking for a, a marketing director. And I said, gee, um, see, you're looking for a marketing director. She says, yeah, do you know anybody? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I do. Um, and because we had developed such a good relationship, I started, uh, I started working for Brady Ware, but it was really at the time I was 65 years old. I wasn't ready to hang it up at that point in time. I knew that I really loved going into a, an accounting firm and, and, and bringing my skills into their marketing program and, and getting them to the point where they're, they're directed and they're growing and, and, and everybody is, is, um, being successful in in growing the firm, so I thought this was a great opportunity. I did, however, say to the uh, managing partner who was doing the hiring, I said, "I want you to realize I am 65 years old. I plan on retiring at age 70. Um, so just understand that this is a this is a five year maximum gig, and um, I'll be happy to work with you in that transition when the time comes." Well, that was you know, a, a number of years ago. And now that I am 70 years old, it is time to to actually put that into place. And so he and I started talking uh, probably about a year ago on the transition. I let him know that um, 70 was coming up and, and that we had discussed this. And, and so we've been working on the transition for about a year. So as you approach this decision, other than the financial piece, um, and you know, financial, I think, concerns everybody to some extent. Maybe not. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I th- um, you know, what concerns you most about the decision to retire, if anything? Was there anything that worried you, concerned you, bothered you, made you hesitate in any way? Well, it's, it's something that um, I'm still having to deal with in my head, um, and that is for roughly 47 years, ever since I graduated college, um, I have been in marketing. I have progressed through marketing um, up to the director level. I have been the breadwinner for my family. Um, I, I can't tell you the last time I took more than about two weeks off from work. Um, and, and so I think there's a little bit of a loss of identity. Like, who am I going to be in this new career? Um, and, and I'm still working on that. I, I uh, I'm hope I think I've got a solution for it, and um, and I and I'm hoping that it all works out well. But that is still a concern, and I think um, for for a lot of people that have had a good long career and really love what they're doing, that loss of of well, this defines who I am. How do I how do I get that new definition? Can be a, a pretty significant issue that that needs to be considered. Yeah, you know, I, um, I I spoke with a friend um, that you and I both know last week, and she retired actually about a year, almost a, a year ago. And you know, I'm going to have another conversation with her next week, but she wasn't overly thrilled with her retirement either. And and the thing that that you know she told me that she's really struggling with is building that identity. Is you know, mm-hmm. there's only so many books you can read, <laughs> even if you're. <laughs> yep if you're the most voracious reader in the world. Right. And so, you know, I'm like I said, I'm going to get on the phone with her and, and help her brainstorm and kind of think about what, what might be next. And, uh, you know, I, I think it is jarring now, you know, my dad retired about, he retired, I guess about eight, nine years ago. 
and he's a very good retiree. <laughs> he knows, you know, and he, he had no, he had no desire to go back to work. He does a little bit of nonprofit. He's a big time bridge player, that, that sort of thing. Um, but you know, I, I can appreciate for a lot of people, that's not easy, especially if you've been sort of in a, an intense environment where your whole day, your week, your month, your year is structured around work to just have that become a vacuum. Mm-hmm. It's almost an embarrassment of riches in terms of time. It's a different kind of time management problem. Yes, it is. And um, we'll see how that goes. So, um, when did you th- start? How would you characterize your retirement planning process? When did you start to get serious about it? Was it phased? Was it consistent? Was it, uh, oh, crap, I'm behind. I got to hurry up. Um, and it, it's probably sort of different for different aspects of retirement. But how would you characterize it in, in your particular case? Well, it it was uh, it was pretty well planned. And, and if you ever talk to my wife, um, she'll tell you that I'm I'm very anal about process and planning and and all of that. So, uh, you know, as I alluded to earlier, I had told um, the managing partner, Brady Ware, when he hired me, that there was a limit on this. So I had already started thinking about what does this look like? Um, And then I kind of put off any kind of planning until about a year ago. And when I when I turned 69, I said, you know, I really have to be in a position to make this a successful and a smooth transition. So I best start planning now. And and so we started, uh, I talked to the managing partner, um, like I said, a year ago, and then we got serious about putting a plan together probably six, starting six months ago. And we have a a structured plan that, um, that, that laid out dates for, um, hiring a consultant to determine what kind of a, of a transition we wanted to make, um, you know, sourcing, hiring, uh, putting up the, the uh, ads for um, candidates, evaluating the candidates. So there was a pretty good plan there. On the personal side, um, I've also been planning and, and talking to a couple of my contacts within the industry about you know, possible consulting work and things like that. So there's that other side of the plan, the personal side of the plan, but, but I've been working on that for probably about the last year um, just to make sure that it is a good smooth transition. So you've been involved, as you said, in helping to choose your successor. Mm -hmm. Um, How much involvement have you had? And do you think that involvement is is likely going to be best practices for many firms, or maybe is best practices more or less involvement? That's a really interesting question. Uh, I, as you said, I have been involved. I have interviewed some of the candidates. Uh, definitely interviewed the um, the successful candidate. Um, but I think part of that is going to depend on the personality of the of the individual retiring. Um, I went into this, uh, with an idea that, uh, for within the accounting marketing profession, most times marketing directors don't retire. They leave and get another job, they get fired, whatever. And it's a, it's a very difficult transition. One of the things I wanted to to do in this is try to make a smooth transition to see 
what goes into making that happen. Um, so I had the mindset that I really wanted to help with that. Other people that 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 have a may have a different attitude, may have the attitude that you know I'm I'm the best one that's ever been in this position. It would be a little harder for them to step back and say, "All right, who is going to be a great person to replace me? Do some of the things that I can't do, and take the firm to the next level." So, I think going back to your original question, um, how involved should the person be in in bringing their successor in? I think if they've got the attitude that this is a this is a process that I can significantly help to move my firm to the next level by doing this, then they ought to be very involved. If it's, on the other hand, a person who thinks that they can't be replaced, they probably ought to not be terribly involved because they're going to um, look for the negative sides of, of anybody that's going to come in and replace them. Right. They're going to affect the process. Yeah. So and I imagine the other piece of this, too, is, is, you know, the circumstances under which the retirement is occurring. Right. Yep. In, in your case, you know, you're you're managing an, an orderly retirement. You're obviously departing from the firm or separating from the firm on very good terms. Not every retirement occurs in that direction in that way. <laughs> That's right? true. So, that is true. You know, you don't necessarily want to have the person that you're effectively booting out, um, hiring, you know, trying to be involved in the successor. It's hard to see how that would be a constructive conversation and relationship. Yep. Yeah, but the plan is to have my successor in place. Um and for me to work with him for probably about four weeks. And, and I've given this some thought and, and I, I'm thinking that like the first week, I'm still going to be the marketing director and he's going to be learning from me. The second week, it might be kind of half and half. And by the third week, he's going to be the marketing director and I'm just going to be there as a resource to him for, for a couple of weeks. Okay. Now, now you've, you've given the firm, you really gave the firm five years notice when you really mm-hmm. get down to it, right? But then you, you sort of uh, reminded our managing partner, I don't know if I should say his name, but I guess not. I, I don't know if it matters or not. But, um, uh, you know, you gave him, people can look it up. Uh, but you, you gave him notice saying, hey, look, you know, the, uh, the we're sort of at the, sort of in the fourth quarter here. Um, you know, we, we, need to, we need to start acting. So in, in effect, that was a year-long runway. Do you think a year is best practices in your in your ideal world? Might you have have started a transition process earlier? Is it is it perhaps too much in that it maybe a year just seems so far away? In retrospect, what's your view on that? I think I think a year is probably good. Um, I wouldn't make it less than six months, um, but but then I wouldn't make it longer than a year either. And, and one of the things that I've noticed particularly probably in the last couple of months um, is that uh, in interactions with some of the folks in the firm, um, I get the feeling that they're looking at me as a lame duck. And so I think if you, if you start this process too soon, like more than a year out, um, the person could find themselves in that lame duck position a lot earlier than they need to be. So um, I would say probably somewhere in the six months to one year range is is at least from my experience is a is a pretty good amount of time. Right. And of course we're talking about an executive position too, a, a, a position that's more of a staff position. You know, you may not necessarily need that long a transition. Right. Um yep. but our 
um, you know, the bulk of our listeners are in that executive position. So I think that that answer is most relevant to them. Yep. Um, you know, a question I want to, I'd like to ask is, you know, a lot of people, and I'm, I'm starting to get to this age now where people are very fixated on it. You know, a lot of people have sort of a magic financial number where they basically, you know, if I hit this, I'm going to retire or in government. It's if I hit 20 years of service, I'm out. Right. Or if it, it you know, for, for the rest of us, mere mortals, I have this much in the bank, that's it, I'm out. You know, how important was that to you in terms of the timing and decision to retire? I don't think it was, I, I, I don't, I, it was a factor, but I don't think it was the major factor. Um, one of the things that I considered uh, is, um, and, and this may change, but for right now, um, you know, you max out your social security at age 70. So I knew 70 was kind of, where I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, what was more important to me was um, having zero debt going into it. Um, so that was a goal. Um, but I think, um, you know, I, I don't think there was a specific financial number in mind. I wanted to make sure that I had enough in between my my retirement savings and my social security that we're not uh, going to have to significantly downsize our lifestyle, but um, you know, that's probably the biggest, the biggest consideration, just having enough to, to enjoy the time that I have left and um, provide for my wife and, and um, just do some of the things that we have not been able to do um, because I've been tied up with work for all these years. But I, I don't think there was a there wasn't a magic number out there. It was it, there was a lot of factors that went into it. Um, I, I don't know if that helps, but uh, that that was kind of what was going in in my mind. Well, I th- I think it's interesting. I, I, you know, this is one of this is one of these answers that I think is going to differ person to person. Right. Yeah. I, I know some people that they look fanatically at their brokerage accounts, their savings accounts, what you know, whatever it is, their total assets. And they say, if I hit this number, then I can basically give the world a finger, right? And then, you know, my, my whole world changes after that time. Um, and, you know, of course, we, we all hear about government employees that the saying is, they, you know, to the day when they're eligible to to receive full retirement, right? And, I, you know, I was just curious in, in your perspective, it sounds like it's not, you know, it doesn't sound like you're fixated at a number that basically was your quote freedom number. Uh, you know, obviously you want to retire in a, at a time when you can provide for yourself, right? That doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense not to do if you can help it. Right. But at the same token, it's, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't sound like it was, you know, you hit a finish line, I've made the number and therefore I'm just going to sort of hit a switch and go into retirement mode. It was much more holistic than that. Yep. I, I think that's a fair description, Mike. Um, so I'm, you know, I see retirement as falling into one of two buckets. And I think I know the answer to this question, but I don't want to assume. And, and one of those buckets is retirement just simply closes, closes a, a book. It just, it ends, it's a big ending that transitions into something just entirely different. Uh, and again, you know, my father was this way. My grandfather was this way for sure. My mother was this way that, you know, they, they just, they just retired and just, you know, never looked back. 
um, in, in any way, at least as far as I could tell. Um, uh, and then there's another school of thought that says, well, this is just a different chapter where, you know, I'm, I'm still going to, I'm still going to be around, still going to be doing stuff. I'm not going to necessarily have quote being retired as my identity. It's simply a financial status, if you will. I'm curious as to which bucket you would like to see yourself in and, and what's attractive about that to you. Uh, I think I would opt for bucket number two um, as opposed to bucket number one. Uh, as I said earlier, I uh, you know, when I when I fell into this career of professional services marketing and particularly marketing for accounting firms, I found something I really loved. Um, and uh, you mentioned earlier I, that uh, I'm a member of the Association for Accounting Marketing and have served on the board of directors and, and a number of committees there. Um, and that association has has been critical to my career. And I, and I love the people in the, in the organization. I love the, the organization. So I plan to stay involved with that organization, even after I retire. Um, and, and through that organization, I've met uh, a number of people, some of whom have gone out into the consulting world. Um, and I've talked to a couple of them about possibly working with them on, on some part-time consulting engagements uh, things like that, because I, like I said, I love this profession and um, I do have, I believe, some things that I can give back to some other firms. So I plan to keep my my hand in at least a bit, not full time, but at least a bit um, and just give back a little bit to this profession that has been so good to me. You know, one of the things that I've seen some organizations do, and this is something I believe they have borrowed from academia is they establish an emeritus role. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's actually really smart because I, I, you know, one of the things I think that firms make a mistake on when they, they, you know, we have these well-intentioned retirement ages and the goal mainly of the retirement age is to make room for the next generation basically. Yep. Um, but, you know, hitting the ejector seat on people that have potentially a half a century of experience, I don't care how much technology has changed there's going to be value to that half century of experience for sure. You know, to, to have a role for that emeritus, you know, whether it's in a firm, whether it's in an, in an organization, and hopefully, you know, AIM has something like that available for you. If not, they should, you know, what, what do you think about roles like that? I mean, is that, is that a, is that a real thing or is it just window dressing or am I, am I making something that really isn't a big deal? How do you kind of react to that? I actually I hadn't thought about that till you brought it up, but I think it's I think it's a really good idea. Um, it's it's certainly not going to be for everybody, but I think there is a lot of experience that that goes out the door, um, and and firms and and individuals could could benefit from that. Um, I, you know, I think there's a, a tremendous opportunity for mentorship relationships within within firms um, that that. Uh, could be enhanced by that person not being a, a direct reporting in, in a direct reporting relationship. Um, that's one of the things that uh, I have found interesting about CPA firms is most of them that that are the partnership type have a, a defined retirement date where people have to sell back their ownership, and it's usually sixty five. And, and there's a lot of experience that walks out the door uh, when when that sixty five hits and they have to to sell their shares back. It's experience that 
the firms themselves, I think, could benefit from in some fashion if they had what you what you call an emeritus type position. So in hearing you talk about that, I, I think that's probably not a bad idea. Yeah, maybe something I'll bring up with the other with the other partners in the firm. Um, so we're talking with uh, Brady. I'm sorry, we're talking with Brian Filoni of Bradyware and Company, and the topic is: Should I retire? Um, did the pandemic impact your decision to retire at all? And if so, how? Not really. Uh, I I'm one of these people that I've I've never been particularly concerned about the pandemic per se. So I haven't altered my work style much uh, because of it. Um, now the, only, the, the big, the big change for me when the pandemic hit was I was flying up to Dayton, Ohio, usually about once a month. And I don't think I've been up there since January of 2020. So um, I'm not getting those Delta miles anymore, but um, the pandemic really didn't really didn't have a lot to do with it. In fact, if, if the pandemic had had any effect um, the only effect I could see is I might've postponed it another year since I won't be able to do some of the traveling I wanted to do, um, in retirement, but, um, the pandemic really has not affected my decision one way or the other. Yeah. And, and, and that's interesting because in considering what you said at the outset of our conversation, you talked about, you talked about, um, the way the approach to marketing being much more technologically focused as, as one of the motivations to retire. And I would have anticipated you saying that clearly marketing, marketing as much as anything has, has been forced to undergo a massive digital transformation, right? Cause we, we can't go to the conferences and trade shows and networking meetings and coffees and after dinner drinks and happy hours, all that, all that good stuff. And I was curious if the if the sudden reliance on that, uh, and I may be putting words in your mouth, so feel free to tell me to go jump in the lake. But but knowing the kind of person you are, how how much personal contact means to you, and and how much relationships means to you, you know, I wonder if I wonder if if kind of just the pandemic and the digital transformation just for somebody like you would just take a lot of the fun out of it. Maybe, but I think the, what, one of the things that the pandemic did, um, going back to what you just said about the, the change and the, the greater use of technology, is it really spurred me to dig in and learn better how to use this technology that I'm not a native to and, and have not grown up with. Um, it, it reminds me of um, something I got from my old aunt who just passed away, she was 98 years old. Uh, I last saw her probably about five years ago. And, and she said the, one of the things that kept her going at that point in time was when she got up every day, she, her goal was to, to read something and learn something new every day. And as long as she did that, then she felt she, she was living well. And, and so when I reflected back on that, I said, you know, here's an opportunity for me to really dig in and learn something new um, and, and see if I can enhance my skill set with it. And so um, rather than being a turnoff and losing that contact, yeah, the, I do miss the personal contact. I do miss the face to face. 
I miss sitting down in your office with you and, and talking over your huge screen. But on the other hand, it has also spurred me to, to really dig in and, and learn new things. And so I think there's pluses and there's minuses. What are you looking forward to most in retirement? Um, one of the things is, is, as I noted before, uh, giving back somewhat to my profession and trying to, to help and mentor some, some younger folks in the accounting marketing profession because it can be a tough profession. Um, but I'm also looking forward to exploring some other interests. Um, I have a, a, a strong interest in, in science and particularly astronomy and, and things like that. And I plan to, to spend some time reading and learning about that. And uh, I might even uh, dust off my uh, log book and, and go out and, and go back to flying a little bit. Um, you know, get current back so that uh, maybe I can take my grandkids up for a flight one of these days. Well, I'm, I'm sure they love that. As somebody who went pilot tra- did pilot training myself for a while, <clears throat> the navigation is a lot easier now. So you may <laughs> enjoy that. Um, Brian, this has been great. Really appreciate you uh, uh, taking some time to, to talk to us. And, and I think our conversation is going to help a lot of people who are thinking about retirement sometime in the short to medium term. Um, how, If people want to follow up on a question I didn't ask or may want to go deeper on something that we talked about, can they reach out to you? And if so, what's the best way to do so? Yes, they can. And, and Mike, thank you. This has been, uh, this has been a fascinating uh, discussion. Uh, but if people need to get a hold of me, probably uh, since I will not be at Brady Ware for more than another few weeks, uh, best thing would be to email me. And my personal email is F as in Frank, A-L-O-N-Y-B at earthlink.net. Well, thank you, Brian. And that's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to thank Brian Filoni so much for joining us and sharing his expertise with us. We'll be exploring a new topic each week. So please tune in so that when you're faced with your next business decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us that we can help them. If you'd like to engage with me on social media with my chart of the day and other content, I'm on LinkedIn and at Unblakeable on Facebook, Twitter, Clubhouse, and Instagram. Once again, this is Mike Blake, our sponsor is Bradyware & Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast.